Welcome to the Newport Church Sermon of the Week podcast. Newport Church is a non-denominational, spirit-filled church, part of the Dove International Apostolic Network of Churches and Ministries. We are located between Mannheim and Lidditz in northern Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. We look forward to seeing you. And now, here is today's message. Amen. Praise God. It is a new year. Yes, the first Sunday of the new year, and we are going to jump in with what God has for us this morning. Um, as I was praying and just taking time with the Lord, uh, I was sometimes things come really quickly, and then sometimes things kind of trickle in throughout the week and into my heart. And I'm just, and then what happens is I try and capture it all, and by the end of the week, try and tie it all together. Like, Lord, what is the thread through all of these things that have been coming up? And so um, this week has been one of those weeks. And so I want to jump into the first uh, Sunday here of 2024. Now, I, we were in the middle before Christmas uh, came. We were in the middle of the Hebrew Six Foundations that we were kind of preaching through and looking through. And that's still on pause because today's the first Sunday of the year. All right, and we're going to jump into uh, this here. So welcome. Uh, thanks, Shane, for calling out the New Year's Eve. It was a great time uh, here, just in the presence of the Lord, in worship and prayer, and encountering his presence together. And it wasn't just for Newport Church. Uh, we had let other churches in the region know, and specifically other Dove churches know as well. And so we had uh, worship team members and pastors from other churches here as well. And it was a good time. Uh, so it was uh, a lot of fun. I'm starting this year uh, with a prayer retreat this coming week, so I'm looking forward to get a, getting away and just paying, spending time with the Lord. Uh, and I want to encourage each one of us to do something similar like that. You know, we're kicking off our fast this week uh, for uh, 2024 as a church body. Uh, we're doing a fast, so how you fast is up to you. It's between you and the Lord. And I would just ask, you know, ask you to ask the Lord. Say, Lord, you know, what are some things that you want me to give up in order to draw near to you? One thing that I love to do uh, when I'm giving up food, which I am this week, um, is just to say, okay, God, every time I get hungry, that's going to be my rem- that's going to be my reminder to pray. So every time I get hungry. I'm going to be reminded to pray. So I'm going to be praying a lot this week. I pray that you would join me as well. Amen? All right. Uh, So we're we're kicking this off. And as uh, was in the announcements, we have uh, our freedom study that is kicking off as well this week for the next 12 weeks. And we're looking forward to what that is going to produce in our lives as we just take time before the Lord. Because every time you come into the presence of the Lord, every time you commit to doing deep work with the Lord in your heart, there's always change. There's always growth. There's always development. There's, you know, even after serving the Lord uh, for my entire life, man, and it's, it almost seems like it's, it, 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 is more so now than later. I, I was not a very good self-reflective person in my teenage years. You know, I was like, what? Sit there and think about yourself? No. Why? You know? But like, <laughs> you know, there's, there's this, uh, this place where 
when the Lord draws you into his presence, he starts to talk about like, hey, Merle, I want to talk about this area in your life, you know, and I want to talk about uh, this area over here. And I uh, so appreciate, Dave, your, your, your testimony last week. Uh, thank you for being faithful to give that. And just, you know, how the Lord draws you into times and he starts to, to unpack some things in your own heart. One of the things I've been looking at in my own life is like where are areas where I have been potentially overcompensating for a negative belief system in my own life. And I know that nobody here would ever overcompensate for anything, right? But what that looks like is that like you, you internally, you, you kind of can have this thought process of, of something that might be negative. And so then out of a reaction to that, you actually overcompensate for that and try and prove that you're not that. And you can do that for your entire life. And it actually starts to like mark your identity. Like you, sometimes like we, we wear, we wear the, the cloak of, of this thing that we're like, I am not that, like I am this. And actually it's just a reaction to some internal, something in our internal world. And so Jesus takes us into a journey of our internal world. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about freedom. Amen? So we're kicking off our freedom study. I'm not preaching, uh, I'm not preaching through what the freedom study is. If you want that, you need to go to the freedom study. But this is like supplemental to that, okay? This is talking about the freedom of Christ and the freedom of God. We're going to start here. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and you can follow along in the church app. I know, uh, I'm not sure if the internet's kind of faulty this morning or not, but um, if you can get the church app and update it, the the notes are there for you uh, to follow along here. We're going to start reading in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It says this, it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now, some translations say Christ has set us free. You know, or live in the freedom that Christ has given to us. But I really like what the NIV says here, you know, the nearly infallible version. I really like, you know, what that says here. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Yeah? And so what happens is we, we can look here, and, and I always like to look and say, God, what does this scripture reveal about your heart? What does this scripture reveal about you? And, and one thing that I look here is, is, and I start to think, like, God, why, why is it that you want us free? You know, are we, just, are we more productive when we're free? And, and that's probably true. We are more productive when we're free. But, like, is that why you set us free? Is that why you have a desire to set us free? And I had to come, you know, as you look through Scripture, I had to come back with the, with the realization that, no, it's not for a greater productivity. It's not for, like, uh, just, a, you know, uh, something that he can get from us. Is that God sets us free because God loves freedom. He loves freedom. In fact, he loves freedom so much, he gives us the freedom to walk away from him. Because he loves freedom so much. Now, he loves us as people more than he loves freedom, but freedom is one of the best gifts that God gives to us. 
You see, and we, and we can see this in our life. Now, if you jump down to verse 13, it says, you, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Tell your neighbor, say, you're called to be free. You're called to be free, amen. All right, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. You see, we, be, God wants us free because he loves freedom. He loves freedom. He is committed to freedom. And so when, when we see this great gift that God has given to us, it's, it's so that, you know, he, he could snap his fingers. He could have made us robots. He could have, you know, he could lord over us with laws and rules. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the Old Covenant and why the Old Covenant was, was given. But like he could lord, but he doesn't. He chooses not to. He says, no, it is your free will to seek me or not. I love you. The kingdom of heaven is here. In relationship to me, you're going to understand your identity, who you are. In relationship to me, you're going to find purpose. You're going to find meaning. And, and you're going to accomplish uh, life as it is best to be lived. In true, real relationship to me. Apart from religious systems. Religious systems can produce some really ugly things. But apart from those things, when, when in full relationship with God, that is where life gets fully experienced as God intended it. And it works best that way. It works best that way. It's God's best for us as his people. And so he's not trying to get us to conform into a list of rules and regulations. But he wants us to be conformed into the image of Christ. Why does God want us to be conformed into the image of Christ? Why does the Bible tell us that? Why do you think? Because Christ was the freest, I don't know, is freest a word? It is? I, I think so. If not, it is now. <laughs> Christ was the freest person to ever walk the face of the earth. He was the, I mean, think about it. Think about it. So he, he had no sin. He had no separation from God until the cross. Satan had no power over him. Religion had no power over him. He could not be controlled and he could not be manipulated. Not, and, and, and it wasn't because he was a rebel. Like, you know, he wasn't just like this rebel without a cause, right? Like, like, he just, he couldn't be controlled. He couldn't be manipulated. Fear had no power over him. And because he was truly free, it caused religious and political leaders who had an interest in controlling people, it caused them to fear. You see, when you're truly free, it actually causes people who have a desire to control to fear you. When you're truly free. And that was Jesus. He was 100% in relational unity with the Father, and he was 100% free. See, that's, that's, and that's why, G, what, that's why God wants us to be conformed into his image. God's not trying to conform us to a bunch of rules and regulations. He's saying, no, I want you to look like Christ because Christ is the model of mankind. As I have created mankind to live in full relationship to me and in full freedom. That's how I've designed mankind to live. And that is God's will for you and for me. You know, sometimes rebels are celebrated in our cultures, you know, as kind of like, you know, they're celebrated as kind of like the free, like, rawr, 
you know, I don't Duke's so hazard. I don't know if you remember that old show. You know, just this like, oh, like we, you know, uh, this, um, this, this celebration or this, this thing that's kind of held up. The, the reality is, though, that rebels rarely are free. Sometimes they're just overcompensating <laughs> for the lack of freedom they actually are missing. Or the lack of freedom they actually have. The freedom they don't have. You get it. All right. Sometimes those who act tough as though nothing can restrict them, nothing can come on them, are actually the most internally bound. You see, in mankind, this is the only part uh, that's going to kind of relate to some of the topics that you might be discovering in the Freedom Series, is in, in the Garden of Eden, there were two trees. There's the tree of life and the tree of what? Knowledge of good and evil, right. And mankind, you know, God said, don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There was no such restriction on the tree of life. And mankind did what? Was deceived, followed Satan's instruction, and decided to try to be like God. And ate from the, the, knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And sin came in, at that point. And so we see that separation from God came in. We, we know the gospel there. But God, this is why God gave the law. I, I, I believe that this is why God gave the law in the old covenant, is to prove to us that it didn't work. Saying, listen, you, okay, all right, mankind, you chose the tree of knowledge and good and evil. I'm going to give you all the lists of, and rules to be holy, and you're going to see it's not going to work. And, and mankind, I need you to understand that life is not produced out of the law. And, and so it, and, and I'm going to take years to do it so that I can really prove to you because I know that you won't believe me. <laughs> You'll always try to revert back to your knowledge of good and evil. You're always trying to revert back to that. And the thing about Jesus is that though he was God, he did not consider being like God something to be grasped, something to be reached out for, but he made himself lower and he humbled himself even to the point of death on the cross. You see, God isn't trying to get us to be like him in the sense of knowing good and evil and being the judge and being the, the dictator and the one who sets rules He's trying to get us to be like him in that we are free and we follow in relationship with him open-heartedly because the law cannot bring life. It only brings death. It only brings death. So sometimes people don't know that uh, how bound, as people, we don't always know how bound we are inside, right? And I think Jesus dealt with this in John chapter 8, verse 31 to 36. It says, this, Jesus said, then, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, so these are those who believed in him, he said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. In verse 32, they're like, what? Like, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say we will be made free? 
And Jesus said, do not trust in your Anabaptist upbringing. No, he didn't say that. Uh, he said, <laughs> Jesus answered to them. I, I can only say that because I, you know, come from that background as well. All right. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus answered him <laughs> and said, verse 34, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever, verse 36. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen? If Jesus makes us free, we shall be free indeed. So I'm like, okay, like God, like, like this, is, this is what you desire to do. And, and these Jews here who were believing in him, they didn't recognize how much they were bound. They were like, well, we've never been a slave. Like we're sons and daughters of Abraham, which by the way was a hallmark of the Hebrews is they, they, they had a culture of saying nobody can rule over us because we are God's people. So even when they would celebrate the different feasts, they would do different things. Like they would, uh, one of the things that they did is they would recline as they were drinking the cup because, and it was a statement to everybody and they taught all their children to do it, is to recline as you're drinking the cup. Now we had communion here this this morning and the the Hebrews would do something similar is they would recline in the feast at the taking because only free people could recline. And if you were a slave, you had to be in, at attention because you were the one serving. And so they would teach their children to be, no, like saying, hey, we are free. Like we, we get the right to recline. No matter what you go through in life, no matter where you are, no matter who's afflicting you, right? And they taught them to be free. And so this is the mentality here of, of these men and women who are believing in Jesus. Is they're like, we've never been a slave to anybody. How, how can you say that we will be free? We're, we're already free. And Jesus actually has to show them that internally, yeah, externally you might be free, but internally you are bound. Now, this is crazy because these Jews, they were under Roman occupation, right? But they still carry themselves as free people. And that's because that's the ultimate goal of God is that we carry ourselves as free people. And so God uh, allows us and he wants us to stand in our freedom. But Jesus says, listen, you know, I need to show you yourself first here. He's like, listen, if you, if you sin, it's because there's freedom that has not been brought into your life. It's because you're a slave to sin here. And so God wants his children free. And if Christ is the one that has brought us freedom, then why are so many believers in bondage? Why are so many believers in bondage? And that's why we're launching into the freedom series because like, I mean, and, and this is, this is a, a, a no guilt, no shame message here this morning. Amen? All right? But there is ways to be free in Christ. That's what we're saying. So if you struggle with something, if you, you, know, uh, if you like, like me, have realized, man, where are areas in my life that I'm overcompensating for internally, like in my internal world, right? Like that, those are areas that I need to be free in. Amen? And so there's no shame, no guilt here, but God wants us to stand in freedom, he wants us to live free. You know, so there's, then my, our heart is that, hey, the children of God are free of sin, free of addictions, free of fear, free of insecurity. Man, that's a big one. 
Insecurities are, are huge sometimes. Fear of failure, being free of fear of failure, being free of shame and guilt, being free of overcompensating in our lives. Sometimes ways of thinking that uh, hold us in bondage were handed down to us from parents and grandparents. There's this funny story of a lady who, uh, uh, she was a young lady, got married, and, and she was gonna cook you know, the first Christmas ham for her husband. And she gets this nice, you know, expensive, honey-cooked ham out of, out of the freezer, thaws it out, all that kind of, or I don't know if it was freezer. I don't, do, you, do you freeze really high-quality ham? Probably not. Anyway, I, I'm, okay, moving on. So she gets it out and was going to make, you know, make this ham, and the first thing she does is she cuts the end off and puts it on the side. And her husband's like, why'd you do that? Why'd you cut the end off of the side of the ham? Like, this, that, that's terrible. <laughs> you know, like, all the juices are going to come out and all that kind of... She's like, well, this is what my mom always did. And she, he's like, well, no, my mom never cut the end off of our ham. Like, why did you do that? And so, she, I don't know, I'm going to call my mom. She calls her mom. Like, why did you cut the... Why, why did you always cut the end off our ham? Because my husband's saying I shouldn't do it. And, and she said, well, you know what? I, I don't know. It's just my mom always did that too. And, and then they... So they finally, they call up grandma. And what happens is grandma says, well, way back then we had tiny little ovens and the pan, you know, the ham was too big for the pan, and so we had to cut the end off and put it on the side to be able to fit it in the oven. And so, like, that was just something that was passed on down through, and it, it, it was, you know, and sometimes we get handed things in our lives. Sometimes we get handed mentalities or thought processes in our lives. You know, uh, sometimes it's a lack of trust, or, or we don't, you know, we don't, we don't uh, trust leaders, or we don't trust other people, or certain races or whatever. Sometimes it gets handed down to us in, in, in our life, and yet, you know, it's in there, it, it winds up holding us back. It winds up actually affecting our lives today. And so, the, you know, these are things that we want to delve into and look at and say, God, what, is there any area in my life that's holding me back from you? Because I know that you've called me to look like Christ, You've called me to walk as he walked in relationship with you and in freedom with you. And if there's any area in my, if I look at my life and I'm not walking like that, then there's something that's keeping me from doing that. And God, would you reveal that to me? So this is like, like I said, this is not a guilt or shame area of, you know, message this morning. It's just like, hey, God wants us free. He wants us living in freedom, right? There's, a, there's something else, you know, sometimes inadvertent things wind up holding us back. There, uh, I read a story, and I think there's a debate about how true it is, or, but it's at least partially true, okay? But it's about uh, engineers for uh, the rocket boosters for, for, that go on the space shuttles, the rocket boosters, and they, they want to make these rocket boosters bigger, but they can't because where they make them and where they create them, they have to ship them. To where, uh, to where the launch site will be, and they have to use a railway system because they're so big, and on that railway system is a tunnel. And so they have to restrict the size of these rocket boosters to be able to fit through the tunnel. And, and they started to look at this and be like, wow, like, okay, like, we, we, there's no other way to ship them other than by rail, but like, 
why, why is this? And somebody started to look into this and say, well, when they, when they, when they built the railway system, that's, that's, a strange, that's a strange measurement from this rail to this rail is exactly four feet, eight and a half inches, which is really like a, an odd number, right? You would think it would be more, you know, more of a consistent number or something. And so like, uh, they started to look at this. They said, well, the North, back, back during the Civil War, the North uh, was the one that had the standardized railway system, and they produced almost all the railway systems of the United States when it started to be, uh, when it started, uh, to be uh, explored. Sorry? You have a better word. Okay. Yeah, uh, it was after colonization. Yeah. But when it, when it started to be developed. And, so what, but, and because the North won... That's what set the, the gauge for the railway system. And they said, well, well actually, we, we wound up getting that gauge. The North wound up getting that gauge from the, the engineers in Europe. And they built those axles in Europe based on the trolley system, the tram systems that would run in Europe. And they, they said, well, where do we get that from? And... and they said, well, because the same people who built the wagon axles were the ones who were then employed to build the tram axles because they used the same jigs. So the tram axles were actually, that measurement came from the wagon axles of like hundreds of years ago. And they said, well, why, why that size? They said, well, they had to meet, make that size because the, the ruts in the road, if you, if you would build an axle wider or narrower and your one wheel would get in the rut in the road the ruts were so deep you would snap your wheels so you had to have a consistent size to make sure that your that your axles and your wheels your wooden wheels the wagon wheels would actually go in the rut in the road and they said well where did those ruts come from and it goes the whole way back to the roman chariot and so we have the Roman, the, and the Roman chariot was developed because it was the first, it was the first, um, um, it was the first government system to mass produce a double horse chariot where it would fit two horses. So four feet, four feet, eight and a half inches is pretty much exactly what you need to have two horses in front of you. And so here we have modern space travel wrestling with a problem from Roman chariots. And sometimes we do things that inadvertently wind up cause us, causing us to wrestle with some things. Right? There, we wind up inadvertently doing this. And so, you know, this is how the width of two horses' backsides in Rome inadvertently affect the size of the most modern-day form of travel that we know of. Okay? Sometimes it's the most in, inadvertent things that wind up influencing us. We don't realize it. To us, it's normal. It was handed down, you know, that, a way of thinking or whatever. It was handed down. And sometimes it's for the worse, you know. It's for the worst in our lives. Sometimes, you know, we wind up really wrestling with stuff. But I would, I would like to say that I believe that God can use this for the better. And I want to show you how. I believe that God can use this for the better in our lives. Okay? Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. We're going to read from verses 7 to 10, but we're really going to highlight verse 8. Okay? 
says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us do not grow weary while doing good, but for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those in the household of faith. Now, back up here to verse 8. It talks about sowing either to the flesh or to the spirit. Brian Souter and I were talking <clears throat> at a basketball game here this week, and we were, we were, you know, we were talking about how, like, yeah, you know, when, when, you, when you aim for heaven, you get heaven and earth. When you aim for the earth, you don't get anything. <laughs> yeah? And so the, what, what Paul is talking about here to the Galatians is saying, listen, when you sow into things of the flesh, you reap corruption, you reap things of the flesh, but when you sow into things of the spirit, you actually start to reap everlasting life. You, re- you reap of life from God. And so when we talk about sowing, we, that, you know, the Bible uses that term, and the, a more modern term that we would talk about today is investing. <laughs> so if you invest in your flesh, you will reap corruption. If you invest in your spirit, you will reap everlasting life. You will reap the life that God has for you. And so my question to us this morning is what are we investing in? What are we investing our time, our energy, our focus, our finances? What, what are we investing into? What are we investing into? Are you sowing to your spirit or are you sowing to your flesh? You know, uh, when we talk about investing, and this is not meant to be financial necessarily other than, you know, it applies definitely. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 2 says, invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. For you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. Spread out your investment, right? Like don't just do one thing expecting it to invest, expecting it to survive a disaster, you don't know what, why does it say invest in seven or eight? Because you don't know what's going to succeed. But the more you invest in, the more chance of it succeeding, right? Okay? So, we talk about sowing to our spirit. How do you know that what you sow in your spirit, sow to your spirit this year, isn't going to be, turn out to inadvertently be, the weapon that gives you breakthrough in five years from now, in 10 years from now, in 20 years from now? How do you not know that what you inadvertently just have an opportunity to be a part of, to, you know, there's the Dove Leadership School, the Dove Global Leadership School, there's the Freedom Curriculum, there's life groups that are happening, there's worship teams that, to be a part of, there's church plants that we want to see church plant. You know, like, you can just, every one of the, we, we have all of these opportunities. How do you know that one of these things isn't going to give you the tools for breakthrough a year from now. And you might just inadvertently do it. Right? You might just inadvertently do it. And this is why I'm saying that I think God can take this principle of what you do inadvertently and flip it around and make it a good thing. 
but you have to be committed to consistently sowing because you don't know which opportunity is going to be the thing that like causes you that, I mean, there's, there's so many times in our life that we can look back, you know, we get in a situation today and we know what to do because we can look back, you know, 10 years, five years, 20 years ago and say, oh man, we've, we've been through that. We, we learned that then. And, and though that hardship or, or that, that um, commitment that we made then, we didn't always understand what we were doing then. We didn't know, you know, it was the seven or eight things. It was like, yes, God, we're in. We've given you our yes. And it winds up inadvertently being the thing that can cause the most breakthrough in a current season of our life. Yeah? And so there's this thing where like, you know, when, when, now this is sometimes what we do as Christians is we, uh, not, not, not these Christians here. This is, you know, some other Christians. You know, we, we, like, like we sow in one area. Like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do, like, I'll, I'll sign up for that, right? Or I'll go on, like, a missions trip, and, and then, like, you go and have a radical experience, you come back, and then you don't sustain it. Why? It, because it, it was just one area, like, you don't know what will prosper, what will see. But the Bible talks about sowing to your flesh or sowing to your spirit. And so I, want, I would love us as Newport Church to have our hearts set on sowing to our spirit, saying, God, every opportunity that you give, in, that you place in front of us, that we have the opportunity to take and you give us the strength to take it, we're going to take it. We're going to do it. It's not just going to be one area. It's just we're, we're going to, you have our yes. You have our yes. Before we know what we're signing up for, God, you have our yes, right? And so that's how God, I believe, can take this and, and flip it around. And, it, you know, I, I think there's, <laughs> have you ever really, all of you are old enough here in this room to really kind of look back over your life and remember some decisions that you really like wrestled with. Like, should I do this or should I do this? You know, should I, should I pursue this degree or pursue that degree? Or should I invest here or invest there? Or should I, should I go to school there or there, right? And like, at the moment, you think this is the biggest decision of your life, right? And then you get 10 years down the road and you can't even remember, like, because it, it wasn't as big of a deal as you thought it was. And meanwhile, some inadvertent decision somewhere, like, that you, you made flippantly, nonchalantly, like, oh, yeah, I think I'll do that, winds up being, like, the biggest open door. Anyone ever experienced that? Yeah. Because that's the nature. We, we don't know. It's, it's seven or eight things. We don't know. But God knows. God knows, and so he encourages us that, hey, continue to sow to your spirit. Continue, continue to sow. You know, um, when you talk about investing, when we're talking about sowing like, like a farmer sows, you don't get the harvest right away. Like what you commit to, what you sow for in this season will only reap a harvest in the future. And we don't always have the control of that time span, but God does, right? But there is a principle where you just continue to, you continue to sow, no matter what. You continue to sow because you're sowing for future seasons of your life. 
You're sowing for future seasons of your kids' lives, of your grandkids' lives. Amen. So there's lots of opportunities here in 2024 to get involved in. My question for us this morning is for 2024, what are we sowing? What are we sowing for? Are we sowing for our flesh or are we sowing for our spirit? Right? If we're just living for our flesh, we're, you know, we're putting our time, energy, effort, focus, intentionality, finance, all that kind of stuff into our flesh, we're just going to reap fleshly things. Yeah? Now, Sheree and I, we've been privileged to go on some pretty good holidays, but guess what? Those holidays are over. <laughs> right? Not that we won't take any more. Right? But like you get back from like a week at a great holiday, which is awesome, by the way, to get off and rest, and that, that's fine. But there's an ending point to that. It's, it's, it's over. Like that, like, oh, it ended. It was a great time, but now it's over. But the things we sow for are in our spirit to follow God are eternal. And they have lasting impact and lasting fruit. And I'm not saying that you don't take holidays, okay? <laughs> That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is, what do we orient our life around? And so for 2024, what are you sowing for? What are you investing in? What are you investing in your life? Maybe, maybe you're, you, uh, this last year, looking back, maybe you had a change of season. You know our lives go through different seasons. We're, we're in high school, and then we, or we're in junior high, and then we go to high school, or we're in high school, and then we go to, to college, or go into the workforce, and, and then like, you know, we're kind of in that young adult stage, and then we start to buy things like home, houses or properties, right? We get married and have relationships, you know, or, or we, we pursue a career, and we, we start to like achieve you know, big things in our careers as we get older, and, and we go through different seasons, and then we have kids. Uh, some of us, you know, have, have kids, and then, then those kids grow up, and then we don't have kids in our house anymore. We're, we're kind of in the season where our kids are out of the young kids stage, and I'm like, this is so nice. Praise God. Um, you know, because we, we love, I, I, I love the personalities of my children, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, they just grow, and they actually have a cool personality. So, like, you know, like, that's the stage we're in. But someday, like, those kids are going to, like, move out, right? You know, that's the goal. Anyway, so, like, um, and then, you know, then you go into the grandbaby, the grandparent stage. And then, then you have the, the great-grandparent stage. And you have, you know, the, the retired stage. And, you, ha- you know, where, where, you know, whether you actually retire or not, pretty much you can just do what you want. You know, like, there's... And, we all have different stages in our life, but in every stage, this is my encouragement, it's important to remember to sow to our spirit, to sow for the things of God in our spirit. No matter what stage you're in, you're, you know, you're, you're young, you're just moving from one school to another, sow for, into your spirit. Sow into God's purposes for your spirit. You know, you're... you're more advanced in those stages, sow into your spirit. Sow into what God wants to do in your spirit. Listen, you, you might be 60, 70, 80 years old. You're not done. You're still breathing. There's a purpose for you here on the earth. Amen? I mean, it's not time to check out. Right? What season are you in? And here in Newport Church, we have a lot of young families. Guess what? That means we, we have... We have need for a lot of older mentors. <laughs> That's right. Yeah? Like there's a purpose for every season of our lives. 
And I want to encourage you, my question to us this morning again is what are we investing in? What are we sowing for in 2024? Hallelujah. Let's just take a moment and think on that. Maybe there was times in our life where we kind of lived that all-in perspective. You know, God, you have my yes. And says life happened or circumstances happened. We wind up sometimes just kind of <coughs> retracting that a little bit in our life. Maybe you came to the Lord late in life and you're like, have so many regrets of things you didn't do, like, oh, if I would have known this sooner, or if I would have, you know, lived, you know, my life like this sooner, or whatever. I believe that there's, there's a place of freedom and victory for every person, no matter what our stage is here. Amen? Yes. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your heart is to see freedom in the lives of your children. I thank you for your goodness to each person here. I thank you for your heart to lead us in sowing in the right places, God. Our intentionality, our time, our energy, our efforts, our finance, our relational equity, all of these things, God. I thank you that you lead us in sowing into your purposes for our lives. I pray for courage. Courage to take the many opportunities you place before us and not just do one thing. But God, I ask for courage to take the opportunities that you place before us and that you give us the strength to do. In Jesus' name, thank you for your kingdom that's coming in this region in this church, in our homes, in our businesses, in our lives. We thank you for wisdom to weather the, the challenging times and strength to excel in the great times. Thank you for the peace that passes all understanding that guards our hearts and minds in you, Lord. And thank you that you called us to be conformed into your image. Thank you, Lord, that we get to be image bearers of Jesus Christ as your children. And fathers, many times we take time at the beginning of the year to kind of focus our attention on what's this year going to have for us, what, is, what, what are we going to do, what are we going to plan. God, I ask that you would speak to every person here. Thank you for the giftings and the strengths that are developed here in our church family. And thank you for those that are going to be developed. In Jesus' name, thank you for courage and thank you for life. In Jesus' name, amen. Worship team, will you come? We're just gonna end our time together today uh, with a song of worship to the Lord and then I'll come back up and dismiss us.
we can stand together. Jesus, thank you, Lord.
Father, thank you for freedom. Thank you that for freedom you have set us free, God. Thank you that we walk in joy and open-hearted relationship with you. And God, our desire is to walk even closer and even in more unity with you in this coming year. We thank you that you lead us in this way and to this end. We thank you that you talk to us, that you walk us through. Thank you, Father, for the deep processes that you walk with us in. And thank you that we don't need to be afraid of them. Thank you, Lord, that your life is light and that in you there is no darkness. Thank you for freedom, victory, joy to come in the life of every person here today, God, and every person watching online. Father, we bless your people. We bless your children. Thank you that you love your children. Thank you, God, that you're not disappointed. Thank you, Lord, that you stand with your arms open wide, filled with love and grace for every person. In Jesus' name. If you're here or you're watching online and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. The gospel is simply this, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created all the systems of the world, and he said it was good. Created mankind and said it was very good, and everything worked together seamlessly and beautifully in God's presence as he reigned as king, as he reigned as ruler, supreme ruler. And walked in open-hearted relationship with mankind. And they knew who they were. They knew why they existed. Because of their relationship with their Heavenly Father. And then Satan came and led a rebellion. And in his rebellion against God, deceived mankind. And mankind followed in Satan's rebellion. And disobeyed God's word, God's instruction. Because of that, sin entered the world and sin entered mankind. And all of a sudden, relationship with the one who knows who we are, the one who knows why we exist, was broken. But God says, I don't, I'm not going to leave it that way. And he came, Jesus came, to die on the cross, to pay the punishment, to take the punishment for my sin and for your sin, to pay the price so that we could be free. But we must make him Lord. Three days later, he rose again from the grave. And it's in his life that we have eternal life. It's in relationship with our heavenly father, the one who knows who we are, the one who knows why we exist. Jesus brings us back into relationship with him. And he fills us with his spirit. And he leads us in life. If you've never made that commitment to make him the ruler of your life, to make him, we call it Lord, It's the old English term, is Lord, to make him the Lord of your life. I want to invite you to do that. And it's an an exchange. It's the laying down of your life and receiving his life. Giving him your life and receiving his life. 
And I want to lead you in a prayer today, if that's you. Or maybe you recognize that you had done that, but you had walked away from the Lord. And you recognize there's distance there. There's a gap there that shouldn't be. And you know that today is the day you're coming home. And you're coming back to the Lord. I want to lead you in a simple prayer. And it's not my prayer that brings you back to the Lord. It's, the, it's your heart in praying it before God. If that's you, you can just pray with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you. Today, I make you the Lord of my life. I give you my life. And I ask that you give me yours. Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins. You took my punishment. You hung there in my place. So that I could be free. You gave your life for me. So I give my life to you. I believe that you rose from the dead. Because sin had no power over you. And today I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and that you would lead me from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, we have a gift for you. Uh, um, you can just come and talk to any one of the pastoral staff or the one, any of the ushers that you saw passing on the plates earlier. If you're online, just reach out to us um, through the email. We would love to send it to you if you're in the United States. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, God has given us freedom. It's one of his best gifts. Amen. God loves freedom. So God bless you. Have an amazing week. We're going to be back here next Sunday, uh, and we're going to have a good time together there as well. As you are in your freedom groups this week, I believe that the Lord is going to go deep in our hearts and just start to do some good work in our lives. And so God bless you as you go in, in that journey with the Lord and have an amazing week. And we'll talk to you again next Sunday and in the midweek. God bless you. Thanks for listening today. We would like to invite you back to our services starting at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more great content from Newport Church, check out newportchurch.net or visit our YouTube channel. To get the right one, search for Newport Church in Elm, PA.